Viewpoint. Online gaming. I'm sure many of you like doing that in your spare time. But if you're a parent and are worried about your kids' safety when they are gaming online, you're certainly not alone. Yes, it is a form of entertainment or pastime activity, but gaming can also help children foster their creativity, think strategically, achieve goals, as well as improve communication skills. On the flip side, though, it can be dangerous if we can't ensure their safety online. The Ministry of Communications and Information recently released some startling findings in the first survey on youth gaming here, and we're going to talk about that with Associate Professor Zhao Hee-ji from the Singapore Institute of Technology. Professor Zhao is also a member of the Media Literacy Council. Thanks for joining me on Viewpoint, Prof. Thanks for having me on, Lily. Now, children today are definitely digital natives and have technology entrenched in their everyday life. While many youths may find gaming as a relaxing avenue, it is difficult to also deny that there would be some level of toxicity when it comes to behaviour in the online gaming community, <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, in my area of research, you realise that uh, people play games for various different reasons. Hmm. Um, some of them actually um, achievement-oriented. So that means they want to really level up in the game. Hmm. When they want to level up, it gets very competitive. And then if they are competing against you and they find that, uh, you know, you are cheating or certain things like that, they get very ugly, can get very ugly. Or sometimes even if you buddy up with them and play games, mm-hmm. and then they, they just didn't like the way you do a certain move and you kind of let them down. <laughs> they, uh, their competitive nature takes over and they, they get angry as well. Yeah. So this sort of thing, you know, conflict management, whether it's poorly or well, insensitive, blatant language, is this part of the gaming culture that our youths are immersed in now? Has it become the norm? I think there are youths that game and have friends who are overseas. For example, those that they have not met up face-to-face. I also know of youths who game with, their, for example, their classmates or their cousins and things like that. So we have different groups of youths that are gaming. However, in this kind of games, most of the time games that they play are largely you know competitive in nature so it won't be surprised if it can get heated sometimes okay when you say heated what constitutes cyberbullying in certain cases it'd be like name calling it can be also things like where they exclude you out of the group that means i play you this time and then because you messed up my game or something like that, I decide not to include you in future. Sometimes this can get transported into the real world Mm. uh, because let's say you game with a group of friends, uh, classmates, neighbours, and then suddenly you didn't perform well or you did something really, something that messed up in the game and Mm. it gets transported out. In real life, they say, oh, I don't want to mix with you. You are uh, very difficult. Mm. Yeah. Terrible at playing, etc. Coming back to that survey I mentioned earlier, the Ministry of Communications and Information did a door-to-door survey of 810 Mm. Singaporean youths and their parents. I think Mm. it was from October 2022 to February 2023. And these youths aged 10 to 18 played online or video games at least once a month. And nearly half of them surveyed played games every day and tended to play for at least two hours in each gaming session. But the survey also found that 
17% of them experienced in-game bullying from other players and only 8% of them told their parents what happened and almost half did not take any action. What do you make of that? I gather that you are a parent? Yeah, I'm a parent. I got four kids, oh. uh, range from secondary one all the way until uni age. So they don't really game that much. Uh, my boy game a little. I do play games just to understand it and... I do have friends who play games. I'm in contact with some gamers and all that. So yeah, I mean, if you're talking about sometimes they get bullied and they don't tell their parents that that is common. I've encountered that before. Mm -hmm. You know, in some of the parenting talks that I do with regards to gaming, parents will tell me, say, hey, you know, I do check out on my kid on what games they play. But as you probe further, you realize that it's only at the beginning stage where the kid gets into this game and then they'll come to you, mommy, daddy, can I play this? And, and then we'll see, hey, uh, this game is pretty safe, so let the child play. But what I found lacking was that the parents don't normally follow up. And what happens in-game is that when you level up, it opens up a lot of other things, affordances that you may not be uh, comfortable with. And sometimes some of the games that the children play, the parents don't even ask them who are they interacting with and things like that. They do assume that they play with their classmates or, or friends. So this is something that I find common also in some of the talks that they don't actually follow up with their child in their gaming experience. Okay, apart from following up with their child or children when it comes to online behaviour or what they experienced when they're gaming online, what else should we as parents pay attention to? I think one of the things that parents should pay attention to is also understand uh, what the game is about. So I do have cases where parents will say, oh, I allow my child to play this game. You know, it's a kind of like fighting game. But then actually when the parent went to look up YouTube videos on gameplay sequences, so gameplay sequences, are they actually capture what happens in-game. The parents was uncomfortable because, you know, the parents didn't envision the game to be the kind where when you slash the person, the blood comes out really lifelike and gory. Mm. So, yeah, so parents, I do encourage parents to actually find out what the game is all about by even looking at some of the gameplay sequences, understanding the narratives behind the games. In my interaction with parents, for example, in parenting talks, there were also games where, you know, sometimes children will come to you and say, oh, this is kind of like fighting, you earn points for this, but they did not know that certain games have what they call uh, mods in them, where children are able to access levels or gameplay sequences that are not readily found in the normal kind of game. So you have to enter a code or something to access some of these kind of places. So these are some examples where I hear from parents about what they found surprising about their child. And that kind of motivated them to get in touch with their child on who they are meeting online, what kind of games they are playing and how they are playing the games. Okay, I'm I'm not a gamer myself, but uh, no. my 11-year-old does play some games and uh, he plays things like Roblox, Minecraft. Oh. So I'm just wondering, I've never gone into the game myself. I'm just wondering, to what extent do these games offer parental controls? Let me just talk generally about games. Games, there are some games that do offer parental controls. For example, the Microsoft platforms do offer some of these kind of things. Mm -hmm. There are games on that are played on mobile platforms and, you know, you can control to some extent the mobile phone. Mm. Uh, you can control 
uh, what sort of games they access. You can control how much time they spend on it and things like that. But I've always encouraged parents to go beyond that to, in fact, you know, have conversations with the children about the game because it is not so straightforward. A game can be played by child A and child B very differently. So child A may spend most of the time trying to mix around with strangers, whereas child mm. B most of the time spends the time understanding the narrative behind the games and all that. So it's not so straightforward because every person plays the game a bit differently. And I do encourage parents to actually get in touch with their child and understand how the child plays the game. Whether the child is mixing around with <laughs> strangers from another server, maybe in US or something like that, and that would explain why he or she is playing at very unearthly hours, like 2 a.m. to mm. 6 a.m. Uh, versus a child who's playing with his classmates. If a child is playing with his or her classmates, chances are they will have some level of discipline to cut off at a certain time or even refrain from playing maybe one or two weeks before their exams. Well, discipline is one thing. What about, like I mentioned earlier, bullying in cyberspace? What kind of signs should we be looking out for? Okay, so some of this thing happens very frequently in uh, the gaming community, in the gameplay as well. Sometimes the children may understand it, you know, oh, this is part of it, you know, my friend's scolding me for doing that bad move and things mm-hmm. like that. However, some are taking it more seriously and they may get offended by it. So uh, firstly, it does happen. Secondly, I guess every children's threshold is very different. What can parents look out for? Well, you can look out for if there's any change in behavior. For example, if the student started maybe losing interest in, let's say, that particular community of friends uh, playing games. If you look for some other signs, for example, depressed, other signs, example that, oh, I don't want to mix around with this group of friends anymore and things like that. While it may be caused by other factors, it should trigger the parent to question and ask, you know, hey, uh, what's happening? Are Mm. you okay? And things like that. Okay, and I suppose we can go a step further to play the games even to familiarize ourselves with what they're experiencing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are parents I know who, who play the game with their children. For me personally, I found it very difficult because when kids play, especially the first person shooter type, I get very giddy when I play <laughs> those kind of games. So and they're much faster than us. <laughs> Yeah, they are. I mean, sometimes it helps, you know. Can you run forward? I'll trail behind, you know. I'll take care of the smaller tasks. You take care of the bigger tasks and things like that. I mean, that helps in conversations, for example, division of roles. That can be done. It's just personally for me, I do get giddy when I play some of these first-person shooter type games, which is frequently played by the youngsters these days. Mm. Yes, there are options like that. You play, you understand. I mean, some parents don't play and I do encourage them. You can actually watch some gameplay sequences on YouTube, etc., just to understand it. Prof, what other behaviours have you come across uh, in terms of online gaming? You know, if we are talking about cyberbullying in, let's say, the gaming context, I have encountered or I've counselled some of these uh, victims before. I mean, it's quite straightforward. You know, you want to encourage youth to be more civil in gaming. That addresses the perpetrators, right? You know, mm-hmm. take note, whatever you say, you may hurt someone else's feelings. I think it's not just in gaming, in all social interactions online, etc. However, in some of my work with uh, victims of uh, cyberbullying, I've encountered the importance of the bystander. So for example, in this group, this particular victim is being bullied. A friend who is in that group as well, sometimes that friend is a bit intimidated to share publicly 
or say things like, hey, can you all stop bullying him and things like that. What that friend could do was to private message the victim and say, hey, don't worry, I support you. And I think uh, what that perpetrator said is rubbish or etc. and things like that. So what I found when I interviewed some of these victims was that they would have appreciated if the bystander supported them, whether it's privately or publicly. Well, sometimes it's very difficult to do it publicly, but they would appreciate it if they done it privately. Prof, you know, we've heard about China unveiling new online gaming curbs, you know, <laughs> yeah. the amount of time and money that people can spend gaming online. <laughs> do you think there's a need to do that in Singapore? Is gaming addiction a serious concern? I think when you talk about addiction, it's quite a uh, loaded word. I think a lot of people don't understand the word uh, addiction. Mm -hmm. uh, but in my area of work, what I look out for is what I term is damage to occupational functioning. So for example, if you are a, a child, a school-going kid, you have certain functions that you are supposed to perform at that particular age and that particular role. So for example, you have the academic functioning, you have social functioning. So let's just look at this too. Mm. And some of these questions that I've used in the past in my area of research is as a result of video gaming, uh, you know, I if someone answers, you know, I have suffered or I have lost interest in schoolwork, etc. and things like that. So that is what I would term as damage to your academic functioning. Social functioning and just what you mentioned in China as well. As a result of you know video gaming, I have to constantly borrow money to sustain my video gaming habit. Or as a result of video gaming, I have neglected my meal times with my family. So in that sense, what I would have looked out for is how much video gaming has impact on the child's functioning or the gamer's functioning. Sometimes it's quite difficult to measure by time, although time has a a relationship with the functioning as well because if you spend a lot of time gaming you definitely cannot have meal times with your family mm. but i think what's more important is to look at the functioning how uh, video gaming has affected the functioning of the child i've not seen any studies that has looked at uh, this area specifically in a very large scale so i can't really comment on whether we need such laws and things like that but my personal feel is that uh, we need to educate, don't necessarily need to use the laws, but we need to educate people on how and when and to what extent video gaming has uh, damaged the person's functioning. And from there, work with the child on how he or she can manage uh, their gaming habits. Uh. Yes, it is very easy to get hooked, whether <laughs> yeah. it's uh, leveling up or you know getting more tools right to help you yeah. level up and achieve more in the game. Yeah. It is so easy to get sucked into the world of gaming. Yeah, and it is fun. It's a recreational activity. People enjoy playing with friends. Yeah. Thank you very much, Prof, for sharing so yeah. much about online gaming and what parents should be looking out for. Sure, no worries. Yeah. Associate Professor Zhao Hiji there from the Singapore Institute of Technology. Professor Zhao is also a member of the Media Literacy Council. Really appreciate your time, Prof. Thanks for inviting me. Viewpoint. 